Love Talk Radio.
satellites in the skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. Three 
uh, uh, I haven't mentioned this the last couple of weeks, but we're still doing the uh, the thank your local crews at the beginning of the show. And that's where we take an opportunity for you guys to call in. And if you want to call in, put it in the chat room, and I'll, I'll read it off. But uh, your thanks to the local crews that uh, that are working hard every single show. And uh, I know that uh, that we're not in the business of uh, of giving out medals for first to the last place. <clears throat> uh, we have a job to do. We got a mission, and uh, that doesn't mean that. Even though we ride our volunteers hard and uh, and try and get every last ounce of work out of them that we can, that doesn't mean that we don't have that we can't take the time to tell them thank you at the same time. And uh, I want to thank my local crews here. I'd like to thank uh, several folks. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Bill Cronk, uh, Lama Seventy Six, <clears throat> for always being such a professional and. Uh, He's just, uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he always takes care of uh, of making sure that all of any of the loose ends of any of the events are always tied up, that uh, the admin work, the paperwork is done, everybody, uh, all the uh, the arriving shooters are briefed correctly, uh, uh, making sure that, uh, that the show is kept on time, uh, you know, making sure that all of the... Uh, all the people are pushed toward the uh, the range to get on the line uh, at the appropriate time, make sure they're down there with all their gear, uh, and make, having a continual eye out for safety. And uh, and he's uh, at the just about every event, just about every time we open the door here, uh, Bill Cronk is here. And then uh, I want to thank uh, Bullet, Rachel Malone. I like to thank Rachel because uh, she has been absolutely fantastic. As far as uh, I mean, uh, actually, pretty unbelievable. As far as getting folks uh, to fill the lines with, she always brings somebody with her, and uh, I believe now she has. Uh, I think she's been instrumental in bringing uh, together about uh, three or four new instructors, bringing them in. I mean, also uh, casting her nets far and wide to bring shooters to the line through the uh, homeschool community. Uh, Rachel was homeschooled, and uh, you can tell because she's a, she's about as uh, sharp and smart as you can get. And she has connections to all of the homeschoolers. And uh, she's drug at just about every homeschooler I think that she's known uh, onto the line over the last uh, over the last year or so. And that just should serve to remind everybody that the the homeschool the uh, the availability or the the chance to get folks to come to Appleseed from the homeschool community uh, is really uh, a great opportunity. I don't know how many. I'm, I haven't counted up, tried to count up how many she's brought, but I would imagine uh, that the, the number is probably in around, uh, I don't know, 25 or 30 folks altogether that have come. We just had a group this last weekend of uh, alert cadets that I believe that uh, Rachel was uh, instrumental in funneling into uh, – the uh, Appleseed Project, and that was a great group of kids. It was about 15 kids from, uh, I guess, from about the age of 8 or 9 to about uh, 15, and uh, they were a fantastic group of yes or no sir uh, kids and uh, and their parents and, uh, 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 not guardians, uh, 
Uh, anyway, the uh, chaperones that uh, brought them, a great group of folks. <clears throat> and uh, then I went, and so, Rachel, thank you. You're doing a fantastic job. And for everybody else that's listening to this, I'm telling you that the homeschool crowd is is an easy sell for Appleseed. So you really should be trying to make sure that you're doing uh, the most that you can in order to harvest uh, folks from the homeschool community. Then I'd like to thank uh, Larry Conrad because Larry is uh, is formerly as old reliable, and he is just that. Uh, he's another one of the folks that every time I open the doors uh, at Davila, uh, he, he's already there. He already came into the back gate, and uh, he's already started setting up. And he uh, brings his uh, grandkids along, and he's been bringing them for several years. Uh, we had his oldest grandson uh, became a full instructor when he was, uh, I guess, when he turned 16. And uh, he has uh, two more grandkids that he's uh, putting into the pipeline now. Larry's a great guy. A great guy and absolutely dependable. Now, what I want you guys to do is uh, is call in 347-308-8790. And I want you to thank somebody from your crew, all right? Uh, don't I don't want to, don't make me yell at you to do it. Do it of your own volition. Call in and thank somebody from your own crew because they deserve it. Everyone in the Appleseed Project is a volunteer. No one's getting paid for this, and uh, and just because they're volunteers. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that they don't uh, like to. They don't like to hear somebody tell them thank you. All right, and like I said, I know that. Uh, I know that folks aren't doing it to hear thank you. All right, they're doing it because they care about their nation. They care about their rights and freedoms. They care about making sure that the uh, American heritage and American uh, history uh, is passed on. That folks are taught the absolute best. Fundamentals of Rifle Marketers should program the nation. That's why they're doing it. But having somebody tell them thank you, uh, that's just that's icing on the cake, and it's really something that they deserve. So I'd like for you guys to, uh, uh, for you folks that are listening, I'd like you to pick out uh, somebody that you want to tell thank you and, and then call in and tell them thank you on the air, 347-308-8790. Now, I'm paying for 50 lines. Uh, every month, so uh, so use at least one of the other uh, 47 lines that are open right now, and uh, call in and tell your local guys thank you because uh, none of us could do this by ourselves. <clears throat> Matter of fact, that's part of our and uh, part of our oath and our creed. You know, we realize we're not going to be able to do this by ourselves, and we can't do it by ourselves. We have to have the help of our fellow Appleseed volunteers. And they need to know that you you value uh, their volunteering. Uh, I'd like to thank the folks that, uh, that run the rest of 
the Appleseed uh, Project Weekends across the state of Texas, too, every month. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Sleepy Joe, Joe Chambers, and Steve Raby. They run the College Station uh, location and do a fantastic job out there. And uh, and I, I miss I miss being not being the only Texas location, which is what it started out as uh, six years ago. Uh, because back then everybody came through Davila, right? So I got to see everybody. And uh, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way anymore. We've all got our our own rangers that we're working at. So I don't get to see the folks as much anymore. But I, I truly count uh, Steve Ravy and Joe Chambers as good friends of mine, and I want to thank them for the job that uh, they're doing in the college station. Uh, then I'd like to thank Paul Seeley, who runs uh, Appleseed up in Amarillo, just about on his uh, on his own. He has a couple of guys that uh, help out there, but Paul does a great job uh, making sure the Appleseed pro- project stays alive and keeps running in Amarillo. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Floyd Ferguson, Andrew LeCran, Lauren LeCran, and the whole slew of Dallas uh, instructors uh, for the work that they are doing in Dallas and the way that they are, uh, they keep every event at Quell Creek uh, sold out. Uh, I would like to thank Jerry Hall out in El Paso. Jerry uh, is another fellow. Jerry uh, Hall and Paul Seeley, both, uh, they have their lonely little outpost out there. It reminds me of uh, what's his name? Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves. Remember when he's out in that uh, that army post all alone, all by himself out there? Uh, that's how I envision uh, Paul Seeley and Jerry Hall at their beauty stations in Amarillo and El Paso. But they're running events uh, throughout the year there, and they're doing a great job. And the program wouldn't be running without them. They they have taken the responsibility up to make sure that there are events running in those locations and. And, my gosh, I thank them for it. Uh, all right, we've got a call on the line. It says uh, it's engineer shooting. Uh, am I? Is that right? Is that is that your name? That's my screen name, sir. Okay, engineer shooting is your screen name. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank the crew that's helping me open up a dedicated apple seed range here in Tallahassee. Well, great. Let's hear it. Uh, it's a lot, it's very good list of people here. P. Henry, nine millimeter, forty-five, forty-five. Terry, tone death. Sean shoot here. Lucky Lori and Silver Bullet. And this is uh, is this a DAR that you are uh, opening up, like on your property? It's property that we bought. We've uh, built built the range on it, and we're going to have our first shoot uh, this weekend. Well, excellent. That is excellent. And this must obviously this has been in the well, this has been in the making for quite a while. Then, if you had to yes. purchase land and everything else, yes, it is. Uh, how long is this? How long has this project been running? Uh, well, we've been working on it for at least six months. From Tallahassee, it's at least a two-hour drive to, to any other apple seed event, so we decided to, to step up to the plate. And, 
build one here. Well, it's perfect. That's what that is. That is the exact thing that we're asking folks to do. Because uh, I know on the face of it, you say, "Well, two hours." Well, you know, what's the big deal about that? It's only two hours, uh, but it is a big deal because uh, the easier you make it for folks to do something, the more likely they're going to do it. That doesn't mean that uh, that that everybody is lazy and ignorant and stuff like that. I'm just saying that uh, that today people live very hairy lives, and they with uh, uh, the gasoline prices that are up, ammunition prices that are up. Uh, every little, every little thing that you can remove, every impediment that you can remove uh, from a person's path toward improving their rifle marksmanship and learning about American heritage and history, the better off you are. So that means that you've opened up, uh, man, who many, who knows how many. Uh, hundreds of thousands of square miles now that uh, you've made it available to Appleseed. Uh, got a name that you're going to call the place? The Isaac Davis Memorial Range. The Isaac Davis Memorial Range. Yes, sir. And it's it's in Tallahassee? Correct. Well, congratulations. Uh, what's your What's your first name? Ken. Cap? Excuse me? Did you say Cap? Uh, Charlie Apple Papa? My name? Yeah, your first name? Ken. K-E-N. Oh, Ken. Okay. Well, Ken, I, I, I want to I thank you very, very much because uh, Florida is another one of those states that has just, that has been doing so well uh, over the over the history of the program, Florida has done uh, an absolutely fantastic job <clears throat> uh, getting ship folks from the line, and uh, and it's folks like you who are going to cause the program to continue to expand and to grow, and uh, and to make sure that it survives there. So this will be y'all's first shoot this weekend, and uh, yes, and then. Uh, I guess I don't have to ask that you've got one scheduled for the uh, April 2021 weekend. Of course. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be the Isaac Davis Memorial Range. Well, that sounds fantastic. Any uh, any special things that you guys have, have going on this weekend or next weekend? Uh, nothing special other than there. we're hoping that people show up with a the forecast of heavy rains. So. Well, let me get you to. I'm going to ask you something here. <clears throat> other than, uh, other than uh, whatever the financial situation was to make it happen. Other than that, uh, you guys, uh, you didn't lose any fingers. There were no lives lost in the development of this DAR. Uh, uh, no one was crippled or anything else, right? That's correct. So you're living proof that this can be done uh, safely without anybody having to, to die for a range to open, uh, unlike 236 years ago. So 
this is something that uh, that everyone should be having, uh, at least in the back of their mind, when you're going, you're holding a uh, an apple seed event, and that is talking to the folks and making sure they understand that apple seed is always in need of locations. Uh, a lot of times, people will come to an event, and they may have a, a good chunk of land. It only takes about, uh, I would say, 20 acres would uh, would very easily give you a uh, a good shooting location. About how much property did uh, you guys have to uh, purchase, Ken? 20 acres. 20 acres? There you go. 20 acres, you can, put, you can safely put in a, uh, uh, a range, and, uh, and a lot of folks will have parcels of land. A lot of folks that show up at events will have uh, parcels of land, and they, they just don't know that, that you need a location. And a lot of people will probably be more than willing to help, so make sure that, uh, that you are putting that out at the events, okay? Yes, sir. And, uh, well, I'm, certainly I'm not talking to you, Ken. You, you, you already did it. But it wouldn't hurt you to, to keep doing it, though, because uh, if you can get, uh, you know, uh, another uh, chunk of land uh, like an hour from you and get someone to set it up there, then if you get a, uh, you know, a, an unbroken line of uh, uh, locations set up that are all uh, an hour or less from each other, then... Uh, then you can certainly uh, the the more locations the better you can certainly make it easier on the shooters and uh, and help grow apple seed in Florida. Is there anything else you wanted to uh to get out Ken or anything else you wanted to say? No sir that's it okay run the run the list of instructors by me again you're uh, p Henry. Nine millimeter forty five forty five Terry Tone Deaf Sean Shoot Here Lucky Lori and Silver Bullet. And I'll add my thanks to those guys too, because uh without you guys out there uh on the ground there locally in Florida, this wouldn't be happening. I mean it, it just wouldn't be. And uh and I thank you. All right. Well, uh, I'm not going to hang up on you, but uh, I'm going to take another caller real quick. And uh, All right. And thanks again, Ken. And if there's anything we can do to help, uh, be sure and let me know. Is there anything I can do to help? I don't know, cut any red tape or uh, or, or anything else. I'll be glad to do my best to uh, to give you a hand. Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. God bless you, Ken, and uh, God bless and keep all of the rest of the folks there in Florida with you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Now, I know he's not the only one, guys, okay? Uh, I know he's not the only one that wanted to thank his crew members, all right? There's got to be a a few more of you guys that are thinking, you know what, I wanted to uh, I want to get on the air and I want to thank uh, some of my local crew members, some of the local instructors, people that are running events and stuff. I want to get on the air and I want to thank them on the air personally for the job that they're doing. 
Uh, I want to add uh, Dean McCormick, who is didactic on the forum, and uh, uh, John uh, for running the Smithville location. Uh, they have, uh, uh, it's close to them, and they've taken up residence here at Smithville. And uh, Smithville is still kind of new, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. So we're trying to work on making sure that uh, that we're pointing folks in that direction. Nonetheless, they're still out there holding events. Even if there's only one person, they still uh, they still run a show. And they did that the other day. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of an ammunition crisis. And uh, I know that... Uh, uh, when I've mentioned this before on the, uh, on the air, I've had other people say, hey, I don't have any problems finding it. But I, I'm telling you, if that's the case with you, then good on you. And if that is the case with you, you should be, uh, you should be buying up all of the uh, 22 long rifle that you can and, uh, and sending it to the rest of the nation, uh, not, not for free, but, uh, sending it to the rest of the nation so that uh, you can ease the pinches up there because uh, there's not a round to be found. That, well, that was just an accidental rhyme. I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, anywhere here in Texas, uh, I, cannot, uh, I cannot find ammunition anywhere. Now, you can get some online, but you start – when you start getting up to the prices of, uh, I believe I saw some at uh, like 27 or 28 cents a round for the uh, 22 long rifle. When you start getting up to those prices, you start making it really cost prohibitive for folks to attend. When they have to pay an extra 120, 140 bucks for that uh, for that block of 550 rounds, then you you more than double the price of attending the event. Uh, before the ammunition craziness, you you just had to pick up a fifteen to twenty dollar uh, five hundred fifty round pack from uh, Academy or Walmart, and that would cover your two days of uh, uh, of uh, rifle marksmanship. Now, uh, I don't know that I've seen any of the five fifty round packs anywhere for sale. I know that they are that they were selling the uh, one hundred round uh, uh, boxes. Of uh, I think it was some CCI mini mags I saw the other day for like twenty seven or twenty eight bucks uh, for the one hundred round boxes and uh, and uh, and we don't know when this is going to to end. All right, the uh, the projection is that uh, in about seven to eight months that supply is going to start matching it with demand. Now, I don't know how much that's going to cause any of the ammunition prices to to go down, because as we all know, uh, when prices go up, they always stay kind of up. Uh, nobody needs to be reminded of uh, the South African, uh, like, 1,300-round packs for uh, uh, 198 bucks. Uh and the prices never went back down. I mean, they they did they did some, and I I'm envisioning the same thing happening here. I'm envisioning the prices going down some, but not to the uh, the pre uh, December 2012 prices. 
So we've got to figure out some other things to do uh, to help fill in the gaps. And uh, we were talking last week and well, the week before that, too, about trying to make sure that you've got some uh, library seats going. I'm going to try and hold one at the uh, the city park here in uh, Temple, Texas, in uh, uh, the at the end of the first week in April. See if I can't uh, get some folks to attend a library seat and see if I can't help shuffle them toward the line. Uh, once they attend the library seat. Now, I won't be holding it at the library because I told you guys that uh, the library wanted to charge uh, $150. So if if you're having a trouble uh, uh, finding locations and maybe one of the city parks or something like that, uh, because uh, uh, Appleseed, in all reality, you know, Appleseed could be done without any shooting, right? It could be done uh, with knitting needles or with uh, uh, bowling balls. It just, it just, it just wouldn't be the same, right? Because our goal is to get people motivated, get them off the couch, to get them motivated, uh, and to make them understand that they have a sacred obligation to safeguard their freedoms and liberties. That uh, that that they receive by virtue of living in this nation. Now you could do that with with any sport or uh, with any kind of uh, you name it, a card game, anything else. But it just wouldn't be the same as with shooting. So we'll have to figure out something to do until the ammunition craze. Uh, until it settles back down. Uh, i got one more call I want to take real quick, and this is Cutter. Cutter, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I just kind of just tuned in just a few minutes ago and was able to uh, kind of, here's the part where you were talking about the ammo shortages. Um, today I called the, the store on rumor that they were going to have some 22s. They did. Uh, that was at noon. By the time I got there at 5 o'clock, are completely out of that. So, uh, you know, I was trying to score some stuff. Now, they do have some uh, CCI uh, 100 packs in there. Those are about $13.99 a pack. It's uh, one box per day. Right. And uh, I see that, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Yak Manjir, Yak, Yak Man Jr.? Yakman Jr., maybe that's it. So he found out the 525-round uh, packs at Bass Pro, one box per person, $24, and it's behind the counter. Uh, right. If you can get to these stores whenever their ammunition is delivered, there's a possibility that you could grab a, a box of ammunition. And... Uh, Maybe that's what we should, uh, that should probably be another thing we should be doing is uh, finding out these schedules uh, for uh, Bass Pro, Academy, Cabela's, uh, Walmart, finding out the schedule for when they're going to be delivered, and then uh, making that part of our 
weekly trip is going and picking up the ammunition so we can have it on hand to uh, to make it available to the shooters. Because I don't know any other way that uh, we're going to do that. Uh, the only way we ran these uh, the this group of uh, uh, 20 folks through this last weekend was that we had uh, another of our instructors who had uh, uh, seven or 8,000 rounds, and he made that available to uh, the shooters this last weekend. So thanks to him, uh, they were all able to shoot. Now, we loaned them all rifles. I think we loaned out uh, uh, maybe 13 or 14 rifles, and then uh, I believe that uh, either either he gave the ammunition to them or they purchased it. So that was the only way that, they, that it was going to happen. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out something. We have to figure out something, some way to to, to get around this. And uh, I welcome any and all uh, any all suggestions about this. Uh, all right, uh, do you have anything else that uh, you want to get out, Cutter? I, I what about your local it. crew? What about I'm your sorry? local crew? Be sure to tell them thanks. Your local crew. You got any uh, names from your local crew you want to say thanks to? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I haven't been involved in uh, the Appleseed operation for for probably two years now, but uh, just kind of sympathetic to the cause and and uh, like to tune into the to the program. So I'll just uh, stand by here and finish uh, listening to the rest of the program. Thanks, Cutter. Thanks for calling in. And uh, listen, call in anytime you have any information about this, or just anytime you want to call in and chat. All right. All right. Keep your powder dry. Okay. Thank you, brother. Okay, guys. Uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate uh, you guys telling your fellow crews thank you, and uh, I encourage you to uh, I encourage you to keep trying to figure out ways to get on the ammunition craziness, uh, and uh, and if you come up with any ideas, be sure and let me know what you're coming up with because uh, maybe I want to do the same thing too. All right, uh, tonight uh, we have as our guest uh, Mr. Charles Weedman. He is a uh, a writer, producer, and director, and he's here r- right now. He's here locally in Austin, Texas, and uh, he's working with his uh, independent uh, movie studio, Rough House Studios, and I would like to welcome uh, Mr. Weedman to the show. Hello. Thank you for uh, for taking the time out tonight, Mr. Wiedemann, and uh, and calling in. Let me make sure. Am I saying that name right? Yeah, no, that's right. You're probably one of the few people that have uh, pronounced it right when they first saw it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's usually listen, pronounced Weidman, but yeah, I, I, appreciate I, to, I appreciate you taking the time to call in tonight, and uh, and uh, I'm excited about having you on here. And uh, yeah, I. I uh, I just got to the show maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. I've been listening in, and, uh, you know, one of the first things I want to say is thanks for having me on the show. It's a great opportunity for us and our film, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be here with you. I just learned about Appleseed not too long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago through Mark Martinez, and, uh, wow, what a great, what a great organization. Um, thank you for doing everything that you're doing. Uh, to educate the population and, uh, and 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 just everything that the program is about, I'm really impressed. Well, everybody, everybody is, you know, I, I told folks at Appleseed Events, uh, 
that there's no free ride in the nation. Uh, everybody has to do something. That your your sacred obligation to ensuring the the rights and freedoms that uh, that you enjoy by virtue of living in this nation that they're safeguarded. Nobody gets a free ride on that. You know, I I thought when I came back from overseas that I'd fulfill my duty. It took me quite a few years to realize that that our duty is an open-ended uh, obligation. And when I talk to folks at Appleseed, I tell them, look, you don't have to be, you don't have to do what I'm doing. You don't have to do Appleseed, but you have to do something. Yep. And I, really, I envision what, what you're doing, uh, Charles, as something. I envision what, I think that what you're doing is something. Why don't you tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, about uh, about who you are and and how you how you got to where you are now, which is uh, uh, making movies in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I um, I grew up in Central Texas. I went out to California um, on a completely unrelated thing. I was in bodybuilding at the time, and I was dating a uh, professional female bodybuilder, and so we went out to California to be part of that scene. Um, while I was in Los Angeles, I started taking acting classes and. Uh, got some roles in some movies and uh, some plays, and I started um, uh, working in the industry. I started getting behind the camera. I started working at a production company called uh, Creative Entertainment Group. And I basically just started off carrying papers and coffee and worked my way up the ladder and became a producer and a director there. I did my first short film there, and uh, wow, I, I all of a sudden found what I wanted to do. The problem was is that I also wanted to raise a family, and I didn't want to raise them in Los Angeles. Uh, there's just so many things wrong with not only that town, but the way that state was going. So I decided to come back to Central Texas, and uh, and you know, uh, I eventually found my wife, Catherine Willis, who I'm married to now. Uh, fortunately, after a very long search, <laughs> and uh, and when we're raising a family here in Austin, where um, you know, we have a fighting chance of uh, doing what we want to do. Uh, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, I heard that Austin was starting to really, you know, take off in the film industry. So when I got back here, I started going to meetings and, uh, you know, looking around. And it's just like anywhere else. you got to have something going on to break in. So I decided to just start, you know, form my own company, plant my flag in Austin, and uh, and start creating my own content. So we started with a bunch of short films, television commercials, music videos, uh, I won a couple telly awards, I won an Aegis Award, and uh, you would just keep, you know, moving up the ladder. And uh, The Sinner is our first longer format uh, film. Uh, it's not quite uh, an hour and a half, it's only 46 minutes, but it's a good chunk of uh, entertainment, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, because you didn't just, you didn't start out with The Sinner. I mean, you've got, no. uh, like you said, you got a couple of, uh, Kelly Awards, the Aegis Award, you've done uh, 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 commercials and a lot of short films. And uh, let's see, was it last year or no, it was uh, two years ago that uh, uh, that you guys uh, got some awards for the Horror Film Makers Competition, right? It was, uh, yeah, it was actually in 2006, so that's uh, a while back. I think it was 2006. Okay. I might have to look at that. But it was, uh, yeah, the 48-hour uh, horror filmmaking uh, competition here in Texas. Really interesting contest. You know, you get your information on Friday night. You have all weekend to write it, 
cast it, find the location, shoot it, edit, you know, do the sound, everything, and present it on Sunday night. So you have 48, 48 hours, basically, to put something together and not knowing what you're going to shoot. Hey, now that is a pretty, that's a pretty nifty idea. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, that's like the, uh, the the military's version of the uh, organizational readiness alert, you know. They, uh, yeah. In the military, they'll, they'll come through the hallways banging on the doors and uh, and yelling out uh, ORE, and uh, you've got uh, just a couple of hours uh, before everything is loaded up in the trucks and you're, you know, you're on the way to wherever you're going to end up. So that sounds, yeah. like a, that sounds like a pretty neat kind of uh, competition. Yeah, it is. I would never compare it to uh, uh, military-style uh, stuff, but you are up for a, a very long time. I mean, the military goes through stuff that, you know, we don't even think about here, um, making a film. But it is arduous, and, you know, I believe I was that weekend I was up for 72 hours straight. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I, I, I went... Uh... I went from the military into uh, into uh, stage and film and television, and I didn't think it was that. For me, it didn't seem like it was that big of a jump. You know, you had uh, you have the same uh, the same ninety nine percent boredom punctuated by one percent sheer terror. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> as you did in the military. So I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't think it was that big of a jump. That's, well, that's not a bad comparison. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that is true. Um, although behind the scenes, there's people. You know, I I moved up the ladder quickly because I was always doing something. You know, and I imagine that quality people in the military um, are kind of the same way. Quality people in our industry and any other industry show up on time, do your work, work hard, do what you say you're going to do, and support your team. And uh, yeah, and you know, I, I tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charles. No, I was just all I was going to add was that's a rare uh, quality. Uh, that combination of qualities is is, is unfortunately uh, rare in my experience. Yeah, and uh, you know, my wife and I talked about it before too. She, you know, we'll see somebody on, you'll see somebody on a TV show or something like that, and they, and you'll see them on, you'll see them on TV shows through the years, and. Uh, and they're really a lot of times they're really not that funny or great at acting or anything else. And my wife had asked me one time. She said, "How do they keep getting these roles?" And I said, "I'll tell you why, honey." I said, "Because professional, really professional actors are really not that easy to find. If you get somebody who's going to show up, when they say they're going to show up, they're going to know their lines. They're going to do everything else, and they may not be the absolute best at their job, but they are dependable." And that's a that's yep. a quality that, that they'll take to the bank with them. They'll get those roles every time because they're dependable. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's very true. Well, uh, your the production company that uh, yeah. that you started up, Charles, it's Roughhouse Studios. Yeah. And uh, and whenever you look at the the uh, the website. Uh, for Roughhouse Studios, and you guys can if you if you want to while we're while we're talking about this, if you want to go to uh, Roughhousing dot com, that's R U F F H O U S I N dot com. That's the uh, uh, Roughhouse Studios page. Uh, if you go to the page, you'll find that it has a philosophy of Roughhouse Studios is uh, which is it says right off the bat that it's simple to entertain, 
and inspire. And uh, and of course, uh, I think I was talking to you about this earlier that uh, that 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 it does sound simple, and uh, and you most folks would say, well, what else would it be? Because uh, obviously, a movie is made to entertain you. But then there's that second part you put at the end of that that is the important part, and that is to inspire you. Most films today, or, or at least a lot of films, they don't they have no interest in inspiring you. They just want they want to entertain you and they want to get money. And the films we're, we're lacking a lot of films that are dedicated to inspiring us. And that's one of one of the things that you guys have decided to do is make sure that that's what you're doing is that you're making films that are inspirational. Tell me about the, the Rough House Studios' philosophy on, on inspiring folks and, and making inspirational material. Yeah, well, you know, you, you hit it on the nose. It's, there, there has been a shift um, away from uh, inspirational uh, media to just kind of lowest common denominator media, which is often very crass and uh, verbose and just, you know, really kind of bargain basement entertainment. That's not across the board. That's just in general. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of the old movies, the golden age movies, where Hollywood wasn't afraid to stand up for the troops. You know, they they made films that supported our troops uh, in times of war. And out of those films came heroes, uh, the westerns. The good guys won, and they were heroes. There was somebody you could emulate in your own life. You could take a piece of that movie, put it in your own life. And and you'd be a better person for it. Uh, you know, I think of a movie like uh, Hondo with John Wayne. That oh, was, yeah. That was just a really interesting, very simple Western about lying. It's a morality tale about telling lies and the consequences of lying. You don't see that anymore in film. Um, you you don't see it. That, no, I, but Hondo is something I want to show to my my boy when he gets old enough to appreciate watching a movie. Because it's entertaining, you can watch it for what it is, it's a western, but if you pay attention, you get a little lesson in it too. Uh, I think of On the Waterfront, you know, Marlon Brando. Entertaining movie, great acting, you know, it's an iconic movie, but it's a morality tale of doing what's right, standing up and being a man in the face of violence, um, in, in, in the face of threats, uh, standing up for for you know what you know is right, so that's what I mean. Um, you know, you can have lots of CGI and special you know special effects and action and cars and women and guns and blood and all this other stuff, um, or, or just really you know, uh, like I said, crass humor, and people might watch it. But man, did they get anything out of it other than just you know passing time, passing two hours of their life? Now. Yeah, I, I, I want to be sure to be careful not to uh, use a hammer in my work, not to beat the uh, people over the head with with uh, the morality hammer or the message hammer. You know, and that's that's what I think. Um, that's where I think faith-based media falls short. Um, they hit it on the nose a little bit too much, and so people kind of shy away from it because they don't want to be preached to. So when I was conceiving the center, I wanted to. Uh, first of all, I didn't want to create something for people that were already in in the church, in the choir. Um, they have a lot of material. It's a huge demographic. <laughs> um, I wanted to reach the people on the street. I wanted to reach 
people that liked those kind of movies, liked a little bit of violence, liked, you know, that cool factor, that, that kind of dirty, grungy, you know, kind of gritty street-level film. But I wanted to uh, somehow wrap that around my uh, my message um, and and not have it just right there up in front of everybody. You know, somebody can watch the center and go, wow, that was super cool. I really had a good time. But if they pay attention, they can get the little messages in there um, along the way. And, and uh, I think we pulled that off. And, uh, and, and so that's what I mean. You have to well, entertain because you've got to put butts in the seats. But, right. And, um, and like you, you said about the – You want to take the higher road. Right. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, today, uh, today so many people are so – they're so gun shy, uh, and I don't mean uh, uh, that's not gun shy. Uh, well, folks are folks are very sensitive about things. If they think that you're, if they think that you're trying to, uh, like you said, hit them over the head with a hammer, and uh, mm-hmm. then they get they get turned off. But at the same time, you have to, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to hit somebody over the head, but you do your your protagonist does have to experience growth. I mean, they do have to they they have to they have to be changed. They have to go in as one person uh, on the one side of the machine, and when they exit the other side, they have to be a better person. They have to be a, a bigger person. They have to they have to have been transformed in order for for the stuff that they went through to have any meaning and. Uh, and you just you don't see that a lot anymore. I don't. I think a lot of people just don't care about it, or or maybe they're just ignorant of that fact. No, I, yeah, I, my I don't know. My hunch is just laziness. It's 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 hard to to craft a really great uh, morality tale and not be so on the nose. Um, I don't know. I, it's it's a combination of things. One, it's. Um, Hollywood mainstream doesn't think that will sell, but the numbers, you know, argue against them. The Bible uh, series right every now, time. No, the numbers are huge um, because it's it's there. There are a ton of people, not just Christians, but just people in the audience that just want to um, see something good and wholesome. You know? Yeah, they want to know that that things can be better. You've got the, yeah. a few of those small. Uh, uh, a few of the small companies that uh, that did uh, pictures. Now they're a, little, a lot different than yours, but uh, some of the ones like uh, oh, uh, facing the giants. Uh, yeah, and fireproof. And uh, fireproof. Yeah, those were those were a little bit more uh, uh, a little bit more. I don't know how I would say it. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. To sound like a movie critic, but I'm not one. Uh, but maybe no. I don't know. Maybe a little bit less polished, but uh, but still, I, I don't care what you think about it. Uh, if you watch that movie with an open mind, when you get to the other side of it, you're gonna there's gonna be some change in the way that you think, and you're gonna feel better about being a human being. And uh, and that is that's something that's something that we need. Uh, Especially yeah. at this time in our in our history. Well, well, yeah, we're at a very we're at a very strange time in our history, and it's it's a little bit frightening. But it's times like these where you know the iconic heroes 
come from because the 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 nation needs a hero and um when you look at uh the 60s we had dirty harry this is a guy who um was very clear about right and wrong good guys and bad guys and he got the job done he wasn't hemming and hawing about you know is this the right thing to do i don't know maybe we should ask what kind of childhood they had no these are bad guys they do bad things they got to go away and right. he was popular because that's what people really feel. <laughs> I believe yeah. people really want that clearly, uh, clearly defined line of justice. And when they feel like they that justice, that line of justice has been blurred, that's when they start getting mad and they start turning away and they start doing crazy stuff. Um, and I think that we're in that time now. And you're going to see um, movies and characters coming out uh, that go back to John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Um, well, and I hope, and I hope that the center does that. Now, you were talking about a transformative journey. The Fisher Rude, the, the protagonist in our movie, doesn't really do that. He's more of uh, Eastwood's character in High Plains Drifter, uh, this mysterious character that comes in and transforms the lives of the people around him. Um, and it's the people around him that are receiving the the journey. Uh, he's just this agent of change that comes through and and uh, turns everything upside down for these people. Right. I don't know if you, well, yeah. well, speaking of this, since we're, we're since we're at that point, your current the current project you just finished with is the movie called The Sinner, and yeah. uh, and we've been talking about this talking around it kind of, but it but it is uh, a faith based story, and maybe not what everybody is nope. used to saying. But no. uh, can you give us a uh, uh, without uh, without uh, any spoilers or anything, give us uh, a synopsis of the movie, and then uh, and then kind of wrap that up with uh, a little bit of why, uh, yeah. because nobody nobody makes a movie uh, for no reason. I mean, there's yeah. some reason something drove you to make this. So, if you could give us kind of a synopsis of the movie, and then explain to us why why you had to make this movie. Yeah. Well. Uh, basically, this is not a film to watch, you know, sit down with your kids and, and grandma and grandpa. It's, you don't do that because it's it's a little bit um, rough. Uh, but it's entertaining. It's not, you know, gratuitous. Um, but I did have somebody uh, who was like, you know, a hardcore Christian uh, movie reviewer watched this and, and she couldn't finish it. She was, you know, shocked and appalled and uh, because of the level of violence, but it's not uh, and nudity, which there's like two or three frames of this of this man's wife um, on an operating table. Uh, she had been beaten up, and it's just like a real flash of nudity. So I think she overreacted to it. But I just want to caution everybody that this film hasn't been rated, and you know, don't watch it with your daughter, um, your young daughter. However, that said. Um, it's about a guy named Fisher Rude. His wife and unborn child are, are brutally murdered by these these two psychotics. Um, they get off the hook, uh, and and so he decides to take matters into his own hands. Uh, they never go to jail. They kind of brag about it. This isn't this is just backstory, but uh, he decides to take matters into his own hands, and he sends them to hell where they belong. That makes him an enemy of the state, basically, and uh, because.
because he took justice into his own hands. He's a vigilante, and uh, and uh, so he has to, you know, hit the road. Well, while he's out on the road, he suddenly has this um, kind of mystical relationship with God, uh, who is now giving him assignments to help people uh, along the way on, on his as he's being chased by government agents. And uh, he winds up helping in this particular film. He winds up helping this junkie uh, break her addiction and then um, uh, leveling the playing field so that she can then choose what she wants to do. Because uh, part of the gift of being human uh, is our capacity for free will. Um, So by the end, she has to choose whether she wants to go back to this horrible life or choose a a higher path for herself. Um, So he doesn't force her to change. She's given the option to change, um, but he just makes that option possible. So what there's there's two things at work here, and and you're right. I did have to make this movie. It started off as an experiment uh, to kind of crunch these two propositions. One is... Uh, this idea that what's happening to you might actually be happening for you. Um, this idea that uh, you know something bad might actually be a test that makes you better in the end. You don't know it um, until you're past it. Um, so what would that look like? How would I tell that story? And then with that story, I also wanted to kind of explore um, uh, this idea of when bad things happen, uh, in our everyday lives, you hear it all the time. Well, it's God's will. Um, you know, a child gets run over by a car. Well, it's God's will. I don't buy that uh, myself, and I certainly don't buy it in this world that I've created for the sinner. So when something horrible and unfair happens to Fisher Rude, uh, his wife and kid are, are, are murdered, uh, he didn't deserve that, but it happened to him. But instead of blaming God, like a lot of people do, uh, he decides to blame the devil. He just decides this is uh, a diabolical thing that happened. This is evil on its face, and it needs to be extinguished. So not only does he go after these guys that kill his wife and kid, but he decides that he's going to track down the devil and kill him, even if he has to go to hell himself. So that really started off as an experiment. It was originally just a 10-minute short film. And... uh, once we got this first part of it done, this, the core story of Fisher and, and Angela, Angela is the chunky, uh, we thought it was really uh, powerful and really cool. So uh, we decided to add on all this other stuff around it and make it a little bit longer. And, and we started looking at the formula of, you know, a, a, an antihero being chased by the law, helping people along the way, very much like, you know, Highway to Heaven or The Incredible Hulk or other popular television shows and uh, said, you know what, this might make a really interesting television show. So we added more scenes, and we brought more people in, and um, extended the length to 46 minutes, and uh, and along with trying to you know push the film out there and just get it out to people, uh, we're also pitching it uh, to networks for a television show, and, and we've been uh, well-received. Um, so we're right on the cusp of something big, I think, with this thing. Well, that's that makes a lot more sense, and uh, and you know everybody has their own uh, everybody has their own uh, uh, 
the way that they decide to relate to their faith and Correct. what it means to them. And uh, and I got to say that that I agree with you. I agree that uh, that when people say you know it's God's will that somebody's uh, dead or something uh, like that, and I, I agree. I don't think it is God's will, but God isn't going to. Uh, he's not. It's a it's a very very complex world. And, oh yeah. And it's not God that is causing somebody to die in a horrible way, like you said. I believe it. I believe the same thing. I believe that it's evil that's causing that to happen. And uh, and in the same way that we have free will to make our decisions about what we're going to do, what we're going to believe, how we're going to live our lives, uh, there is also uh, there are also free wills all across uh, all across everything that concerns us and our loved yep. ones. And uh, yep. So uh, I think that that uh, that that works that works for me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good formula. It's a good premise. It's thought provoking. Like you said, it is complicated. I I would never presume to know God's will, but it's interesting to kind of play with that theme and uh, make uh, some suppositions about it and how we relate to it and deal with it and how do we identify it? How do we deal with it when it's something that we didn't really want? You know, it gets more and more complicated. Um, you know, it's it is a very complicated, rough and tumble world, and the the world of the sinner is definitely uh, a little darker and uh, rough and tumble. And, and there's some tough, tough people in this world making hard decisions. And I think that your your use of that of that title and that philosophy, I think, is uh, is pretty good too, because uh, because each and every each and every one of us are sinners. And listen to my to my friends who are are not believers or faith based. I don't. I, I have no uh, no gripes or no uh, uh, no beef with you guys. Everybody's making their own. Everybody's making their own path in the world. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. You guys, well, uh, you guys. Everybody's free to make their own way. There were plenty of heathens standing in ranks uh, with the rest of the folks uh, on April nineteenth. <laughs> Absolutely, and that, that's, that is the whole reason for the title of the film, The Sinner, uh, because, you know, there's the, 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 the audience has just like to have a preconception of what faith-based media is and what it's going to be and look like and feel like, and they don't want to, you know, watch it. There's also the same kind of perception about Christians and that they think they're holier than thou and they're preaching to people and they're looking down on people. So I wanted to position this guy as just like everybody else. And in fact, he says it in the film. She says, what are you, some kind of preacher or angel or something? He says, no, I'm just a sinner like you in need of mercy and grace. That's all. Well, uh, you you touched on the fact that he is, that he went after the direct folks that were responsible for uh, his wife and unborn child's death, but uh, and then he went after... Uh, the great evil uh, itself, but uh, isn't there? Uh, isn't as he's in, uh, stop me if I'm if I'm getting ready to make a spoiler or something. But isn't he? Uh, isn't he finding that that it's not just uh, uh, that it's not just as simple or black and white as? Uh, just a few bad guys that there's more right. involved right. in this. Well, yeah, and that's that's really 
goes to the the reality of not only the center but of our own world. You know, it, it, like you said, it, it is complicated. And as you go through this and as you try to, you know, stay on the straight and narrow, things happen and things get complicated. And there's other influences that you are unaware of. And there's people with agendas above you and around you and in your government and, and in, you know, your neighbor and, you know, anybody around you, your friends. They Not everybody has your best interest at heart. Um, so you got to watch out and it gets complicated and, and you can't just go around killing people. You can't. So, right. uh, you know, you got to right, help but, people along the way. But Fisher Root does find that there's, that there is more to it than... Right. What okay. thought? Well, I, yeah, I see what you're getting at. So, so yeah. So I, just, I, I didn't know. I don't. I, I just didn't want no. to. Uh... Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It actually helps inform the story. So, uh, the devil. Um, I, I just call him the devil uh, in this in this show. Um, let's just call him the devil. The devil might turn out to be the the head of this, uh, you know, global organization, uh, and, and they actually turn out to be uh, what is commonly known as one worlders people that want to institute a one-world government who want to control your life and your health care and what you eat and how many bullets you can or cannot buy, <laughs> all these things um, for your own good, of course, but actually what they're trying to do is, is enslave uh, everyone. And, and what that goes to is darkening everybody's soul through media and oppressive laws and, uh, you know, um, just the corruption of uh, our own government and our uh, civics and education and everything to the point where people just forget about God and forget about uh, love and kindness and compassion and all these great things. And everybody starts to be out for themselves, protecting their backs, watching each other uh, to report them. And so, you know, it is a physical manifestation of evil and the devil, but the devil is a real person, the head of this organization uh, that sends uh, these agents out after to, to go after Fisher Root. Um, so it's just a, a, what I imagine the physical manifestation of what the devil would be if he existed here on Earth, what he would be doing. Right. Right. Yeah, if, he, if you were supposed to have love and compassion, the government would have issued it to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean that's uh that's the way it is. We would have we would have sent you your allotment. So you, yeah, just, I mean, you wait. We'll we'll tell we'll tell you what you need. Yeah, yeah. I mean nothing's more um maddening to uh those kind of people than the idea that our rights are God given. Um if you tell them that they don't come from government, they just fly into a rage um so it is it is a battle of two philosophies um on a, on a much deeper broader uh backdrop kind of way in the world of the center there are two philosophies at war here one is um the one worlders who want everybody controlled and fisher Rood, who represents the individual the free will the the single man who can you know the same guy who went across the prairies and you know, for helped build America. Um, those guys are hard to find anymore. Those tough, tough guys that just got the work done and didn't ask for any handouts, didn't ask for help. They just did it. You know, because yeah, you, know, you don't have to tell me because uh, we we run into the same problems as trying to find uh, 
good folks to yeah. uh, good folks to run the volunteer programs and stuff. Now we I'm saying we've got a, we've got a lot of them. we got a lot of good folks. It's just for me, I, I I'm I was always uh, when I got involved with the organization at the very beginning, I thought this is a fantastic idea. This is a great idea, and it's gonna uh, it's going to explode, and it did. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is the fastest growing organization of its kind in history. But I, the other side of that is, I'm 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 just as uh, disheartened sometimes by by looking around and saying, where where are the rest of the guys? Where are the rest of my of my old reliable and uh, my alarm was seventy six and my bullet and uh, you know where are the rest of the guys? I mean, I, I would I I thought I thought I would have had to have stepped out of the way so I wouldn't be trampled in the stampede of folks volunteering to right. uh, to do just a little bit, you know, to to. Safeguard the rights and freedoms of their nation. And I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is. I guess is what I'm saying. I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is to to, to round up volunteers. But but at the same time, uh, and I, I understand it in a way. If if there were uh, if there were 50 or 60 jihadists and they uh, you know they were holding a school bus of kids uh, hostage on the on the Golden Gate Bridge. Then uh, I'm sure you wouldn't. I'm sure that you would have to turn away folks by the hundreds of thousands, you know, who are ready oh, sure. to to go and get them. But yeah. if you if you ask for volunteers to go and chip away the paint and rust on the Golden Gate Bridge, then oh. you're not going to get anybody. Then yet, back when the Golden Gate Bridge the Golden Gate Bridge fails because the girders are rusted through, it's going to kill those same kids. It's just not as dramatic. There's nothing. It's hard. There's no way for you to get excited about scraping rust, uh, and yet that rust is just as dangerous, just as just as surely will kill our nation as the jihadists will. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're 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 battling two things. You're battling uh, the long creeping uh, uh, increment by increment uh, movement of of progressives since the 20s, right? And yes. uh and uh luxury, you know, we live in one of the greatest countries on the, on the planet. Luxury breeds complacency. You know, if people aren't directly threatened, like you said, you know, if there was a there was a threat right in front of people's faces, I have every confidence that people would jump to the jump to the call. But since people have it pretty easy, they they got a nice house to live in, they got water, electricity, plumbing, entertainment, mobile devices, nice car, you know, there isn't really much of a threat here. Um, right. And they don't understand that this threat is creeping. It's invisible. It's coming up behind you and around you, and it's reshaping the world that you thought you were living in. Uh, it's not the America that, it, you know, it was even 20 years ago. Uh, it's a lot different, but people don't see it because they can go to the store and buy anything they want. Yeah. I kind of envision it as, uh, uh, you know, there have been several movies done in the, over the last uh, 25 or 30 years, and then uh, uh, some books and stuff that I've read about uh, uh, about time travel and stuff like that. How you know somebody's gone back and they've altered something in time, and it's made a 
it's made a change in the current day. And I, I kind of see it like that, that there are changes being made that 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 people just don't see. They don't see the changes made. Uh, it's it's almost like uh, like the changes are in, in a super stealth mode. And and because they're not uh, yelling and screaming jihadists, that uh, the people are they're not going to. They're not going to pay attention to it, and there's always tomorrow. I can always get to it tomorrow yeah. because, you know, the rust, uh, it'll still be there tomorrow. But, you know, I've got, I get people all the time at Apple Seeds, and it seems strange that, that you would, but you do. Uh, you get folks, I've got folks from Soviet Georgia, from uh, China, from Poland, uh, from the Eastern Bloc countries, from uh Argentina, uh, folks that show up at apple seeds, and you know what? Whenever we when we talk about the fact that just because we have these rights, it doesn't mean that we will always have these rights. These those folks listen because they have experienced it. The rest of the Americans they don't because they've always had these rights. Their their whole lives, they've always had these rights, and they, and therefore they always will have them, and nothing will nothing can change that. That they will always have these same rights, and they don't understand how uh, how fleeting these the rights could be. Well, yeah, just go back and look at uh, the plans, various plans uh, that have been devised over the last hundred years uh, to take down America. Um, you can't do it militarily. You can't just come up and knock them down, right? You can't knock this country down. You have to do it in small increments from the inside. You have to uh, re-educate people. You have to desensitize them to a variety of things. You have to make patriots look crazy and foolish. And you have to turn them into conspiracy nuts. And and then people start shying away from it. And they just focus back on their on their game or their their Facebook page or whatever whatever it is that they're um, entranced by, and then you can start re-educating people and just flipping the tables. I mean, just look at how upside down the values are in America today. Uh, compare values of the 40s and today, and you'll see that everything that used to be heroic and looked up to and aspired to and uh, kind of held sacred is now scoffed at, laughed at. Uh, if you believe in that or hold on to it, you're you're a Pollyanna. You're an idiot. You know, you're stupid. You must be some kind of white bread uh, redneck. Um, so that's how it's going to be done. Um, right, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can we can no. still. Uh, it, it is my belief uh, that we can still take this thing by the horns and we can still right this ship. Man, I hope so. I mean, uh, I, I really do. It's 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 going to take uh, a big effort and a consistent effort over decades to to uh, to slow down and reverse the damage that has been done, in my estimation. Well, I, I, I completely agree. But I think that, like I said at the beginning of the show, I think that it is through... Uh, through the faith and the works and the deeds of folks like yourself that are part of this process. That uh, whenever you're helping to mainstream the idea that uh, that there's nothing hokey or 
stupid about being faith-based, then uh, I think that that right. goes a long way toward doing it. And exactly. since we're yeah. once we're talking about this, and I I I know that uh, we've we've talked about it a bit, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask you right out. The, the center has uh, it has a good deal of faith-based work and writing in it, the way you wrote it. And uh, yeah. so, are you yourself uh, a faith-based person? Do you have a, a higher power that that? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the the lens that I look at the world through. It's how I see everything. Um, you know, every day I is just a blessing and a, and a, and a gift from God. I absolutely, uh, uh, I, 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 made, I was talking to him one time. I was, I was praying and I said, you know, you are my God. And I accidentally said, you are my guide. And that was, that was true. Um, he is my guide. He orders my footsteps every day. Um, because I want him to, because I ask him to. I still have my free will. I still can, you know, do whatever I want. But I yearn to have that that closer connection and to be, um, you know, to help be a positive influence on 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 the world. I, I'm, my mission isn't to convert people. I'm, I'm not a crusader, but I certainly want them to see, you know, what's what's good about. Uh, all the things that we've been talking about, loving each other. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, uh, treating each other with respect. Um, you know, all these things that go to support the human condition rather than tear it down and demoralize it and control it. Um, I think, um, you know, the golden rule is a divine law to live by and anything that doesn't follow that is uh, diabolical. And I choose to stand with the, with the divine. Right. And, uh, and in my life, I I feel the same way. And the the, the main problem I have is uh, is letting go of the wheel. Uh, I know that's where most of my problems come from. It's, if I could just let go, it's just it's just like if I can get if I pry that one hand off the wheel, and that other hand is up there holding on with a death grip. It's just so hard for me to let go. And uh, you know, whenever I do. Then I'm rewarded, but dang, do I very seldom ever let go. Sure, sure. You said a lot there, and and I've had conversations um, with a lot of people right now who know that's the answer. They know that's what they need to do, Um, but it's hard to do. It's hard to because you feel like you don't have any control, and you want to be in control of your own life. You want to be in control of you know what you're doing, and it has nothing to do with that. Because if you think about it, and having a having a child really kind of changed my view of God. Before my boy was born, I had an adversarial um, relationship with God. He's a judge. He, he's a punisher. He, he's looking at me all the time. And, you know, my life is cursed. You know, nothing's going right. You know, this sucks. But I got to believe in God because I I know He's there. I've seen Him work. I've seen His miracles. I've seen Him in my life. But somehow this all must be a joke. However, um, having uh, my boy kind of changed changed that viewpoint. When you think of um, this idea that we're all children of God, and that he's our father, uh, how do you treat your kids? What do you want for your kids? And then expand that out to God. You know, our own families are just microcosms of our relationship with God. And... Of course I want my boy to be happy. Of course I want to give him anything that he wants that doesn't hurt him. 
Uh, sometimes he wants something that will hurt him, and i got to tell him no. It's very simple. Once you look at it that way, um, I think you can kind of change how you how you think about things. And, you know, letting your hands go of the wheel. You know, my boy wants to control certain things in his life, but he's got to let go and let me do it for him because I'm going to do it better than he's going to do it. And it's and he's going to like it better. He's going to like the outcome better. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Well, listen, it, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense every time I think about it. Uh, it's hard to do. It's just it's just, it just getting that hand <laughs> off the wheel. Uh, it's just hard. It's it's hard to do. And like I said, you would think that uh, it would be easier because when you do let go, when you do let go, and you bow your head and you submit, then you're rewarded, and uh, and it's almost almost instantaneous, almost every time. It's just very, very hard to do that. And uh, and I wish I were better at it. Yeah, me too. I'm getting better every day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm trying to get better every day. I don't know if I am or not sometimes, but I'm trying to to get better every day. Uh, You know, I do have, I do keep up a constant dialogue. And that's one of the things that I always have. I always ask not for help with because uh, that's where I'm going to have to do that myself. But I, I always ask for please understand that I'm not doing this maliciously. I'm just having a hard time doing it. And uh, right. so, right. well, let me uh, let me ask you about doing uh, stuff here in Texas because you're used to you you are you at one point you were used to doing things out on the West Coast. And uh, yeah. Yeah. and it's a whole different uh, it's a whole different ball game here in Texas and especially Austin. Uh, Austin is a is a different kind of place and it's a different kind of place even in Texas. In Texas, uh, a lot of folks call Austin's the the Torleys, uh yeah. because uh, they expect to see all the folks in Austin spinning around like the Grateful Dead folks and. Uh, yeah, the People's Republic of Austin. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> but uh, but I worked in the uh, television and film industry in Houston. And in Houston, they were trying to call it for a while. I don't know what they're trying to do now, but for a while, they were trying to call it the Third Coast. Yeah. And uh, but how is it? Uh, how is it working in Austin? And then uh, you grab all of your folks. All the folks in the film are all. Uh, it's all local talent there in Austin. Tell us a bit about. <laughs> about how it worked uh, as far as Gavin getting together the the crew there in Austin and who they are. And, uh... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, first of all, working in Austin is amazing. I, I got I to gotta give uh, respect to this town, how open they are to filmmakers. Uh, I, the difference between here and Los Angeles is that there aren't a lot of people here that uh, are jaded yet. Uh, they haven't had bad experiences with filmmakers. Uh, generally, it's a pretty good experience, and they're excited about your movie. They're excited. They want to help you. Uh, they want to contribute. They want to, you know, make your make your film a, a reality. So it's much different. In Los Angeles, you have to pay everybody. You have to pay for everything. You got to pay for the house you're shooting in, um, and that's good. It makes good business sense. But there is no, op- well, I won't say that. There's more opportunity here for people that don't have any money but still want to make a movie. 
they get their friends together, they get some locations, and boom, you're shooting. Uh, so I, I like it here. I like it a lot. Um, I just wish they'd get their tax incentives together, that's all. Um, <laughs> but uh, all of our our, our crew, you know, since I, we didn't have, we had, you know, just barely any money to make this film. So I wanted to, I knew that I could um, drive this train pretty much uh, with just some supporting people. We didn't need a large number of people to do this. Uh, and I was willing to um, give people a shot, um, people that wanted to be in the industry, didn't have any experience, but showed up on time, worked hard, and did what they said they were going to do. I looked for those kind of people, and I got them on my crew, and they did uh, the work of you know four or five people each. Uh, these were amazing people because you, they were that quality of person, and that quality of person generally learns really quickly. Um, and they're paying attention. You know, I need this out of the truck. They'll get it now. Boom, it's done. They're not, you know, drinking coffee on the way, dragging their feet. Um, so the crew uh, was good. Uh, they were small, uh, and they worked hard. I put them through their paces, but we ran a very uh, fun, uh, driven set. It was a great place to work. Uh, the cast, um, it's a really interesting cast. David Christopher plays uh, Fisher Rude. Uh, I found this guy, I don't know how, I can't remember, but somehow his headshot wound up on my desk. And he didn't, I had a completely different guy envisioned for this. Um, it's not even important anymore because David is this guy. Uh, his headshot doesn't look anything like he looked in the movie. It was just a clean-cut, handsome guy. And it was kind of like on a lark. I said, yeah, something's telling me to bring this guy in. So I brought him in. I gave him one paragraph of dialogue to say. He didn't know anything about the film. Uh, he sat down, and he nailed it. He brought something to the role uh, that is undefined. Uh, this guy, he looks like a cross between Clint Eastwood and Montgomery Clift. He's handsome. He's, he's a really good actor. But he gets it. He got the message of the story. I remember calling him up after his audition. I said, does this resonate with you? Do you get this? And he said, absolutely it does. Um as long as I can help, you know, create it, uh, let's go. And it was on. From that point on, everybody else kind of fell into place. I already had my wife, Kathy Willis, who, who is a Friday Night's alum. She was in the first two seasons of Friday Night Lights. Uh, she was, she's was. she been in um, a ton of movies, uh, Sin City, um, uh, uh, Drop Dead Diva, uh, Prison Break, a lot of TV shows, stuff like that. But... Uh, the Friday Night Lights movie. Uh, she's a really good, talented, professional actress. And you said it earlier, you know, the pros, they show up and they just make your life easy because you're not worrying about them. You're not holding their hand, trying to figure out if they're going to even, you know, get to their mark. Um, having Catherine on board was huge. David was a pro. Uh, Catherine, um, Savannah Welch uh, came in and played Angela Darling. And this is a girl that I looked for for a very long time. Uh, Angela brings a certain frailty to it. And, uh, uh, there's something, like David, there's an unknown quantity about Savannah. Savannah um, is a really talented but small actress. You, when you're shooting her, you don't really know what she's doing until you see it on the big screen and you go, holy cow, that's good. Um, but she she's best known. She's part. Of, her band is called the Trishes, and I don't know if people locally have heard them on the radio. You can hear them on KVET, and, and they're they're really blowing up. The Trishes is a really great band, and um, 
early on, uh, Jesse Dayton came on board. He's also one of the producers on the film. Uh, Jesse Dayton plays at the Spoke every Thursday night. Um, he's a, a local, you know, if he's not a legend, he's close to it. Um, everybody knows Jesse. And Jesse, when he came on board, he enabled me to contact a lot of people that I didn't even know existed. Um, he opened doors for me that um, really made the film what it is. Uh, he got me over to Mercury Charlie, Mercury Charlie's garage. All he does is he works on Mercury's. And this guy is a car historian. Um, he's just a wealth of knowledge. But he had uh, Charlie Sexton's of, uh, 50 Merc, um, this flat black uh, with gloss black flames car, an amazing car. You wouldn't know it by looking at it because what I had in, in, envisioned was, uh, you know, kind of a slick hot rod for this guy. Um, but when I saw this car, it's, it's old, hasn't been taken very good care of. You know, the paint's faded, the interior's right. all trashed out. You know, it, it just the wind, the glass is cracked. It just changed uh, not only my perception of the character, but just kind of how we even conceived of the entire film. You've got this kind of you know, the, the Fisher Rude becomes this kind of broke-down cowboy traveling from town to town, you know, drifting over money. He doesn't have any money at all. He probably helps people with chores and to get food. So he doesn't have a flashy car. So the car was is a character, too. Um, and it, it was a huge get, and Jesse Dayton was responsible for that. Um, and then we have, you know, he brought in tattoo artists, burlesque dancers, uh you know, all the colorful people that Austin has, you know, kind of trotting around, uh, wound up in our film and uh, gave it gave it this look that is uniquely Austin, I think, um, and really colorful. So it's it's huge. Jesse's wife, uh, Emily Kay, is in it. She plays up uh, with my wife as the agents that are going after Fisher. She's, she's great. You know, everybody's good. One of the most interesting finds was um, I was looking for the uh, preacher, the padre. And I couldn't find him, couldn't find him, couldn't find him. My DP was in the post office, and he saw this guy standing in line, this this uh, uh, Hispanic guy, kind of older, short, but he had this crazy mustache. And if you if you go to our webpage, you can see this mustache. But the minute I saw that mustache, <laughs> the first thing I said was, I hope he can act. And uh, so we brought him in, and you know he's done a couple things, but he's not an actor, so I just talked him through it, walked him through it, and... You know, again, even our preacher is uh, cool. You know, he's just <laughs> he pulls up on his giant Harley and and he's got this big crazy helmet with ram's horns and you know he's just a great guy. I mean, that's the thing. All the people involved with this film are just good, solid people. Um, they don't necessarily share my belief, but they're just good people and they want to be involved with the cool project. And uh, it all shows. It all shows in the film. Well, now. <clears throat> Uh, you have uh, uh, Alex Jones helping you out Alex on, the, uh, yeah. on the show here, too. Tell us, about, tell us how yeah. that happened. Well, this is interesting. Uh, like I said, this, this show started off as an experiment about philosophical questions. Uh, I was doing an interview with Alex Jones for Annie Biography on Charlie Sheen. And uh, their buddies and, and you know, Los Angeles wanted me to go down and, and um, interview them, so I did. And, you know, this guy is amazing. He's he's 
super intelligent. He's got more energy than anybody. When he walks into the room, it's go time. You better be ready to go, and you better have answers, and you better know what you're doing because he doesn't have any time to waste around. This guy is a hard worker, and he's passionate about what he's doing, and that's what I really enjoyed about Alex. It's just the passion and uh, the depth of knowledge that he possesses on, on the subject matter. And, uh, you know, I handed him the lines. He looked at it, got it immediately, and said, let's go. And uh, it was it was it was a, an amazing kind of uh, surreal moment to work with Alex. He's he's incredible. Um, and but what's interesting is after the interview, um, he said, "What do you do?" I told him, I told him what I was doing. I said, "You know, I have a role in this movie uh, that you'd be great for, uh, but I don't have any money, and I you know, but I'd love to have you in." He goes, "Ah, forget it. I'll do it. Don't worry about it." Uh, so he came on board, and, and we shot him, and um, and that's when it became political. Uh, I hadn't really considered the political angle of the center uh, until I met Alex and until I sat with him for a while, and uh, we started talking, and this idea of not only um, the spiritual center, but this kind of overarching, overreaching uh, police state that's kind of being built around us um, if you go against that, you're a sinner against the state. You're an enemy of the state. That's so right. He's a, he's a sinner on a lot of different levels. Um, and so I really started looking at the political side of this and what it means to be a fugitive from a system that uh, is corrupt and is oppressive and is anti-American. Right. And you, you were kind of touching that earlier that uh, and I've spoken to the folks on the radio show about that, that uh, we're drifting more and more to, well, we're not drifting at all. We've got the, the engine revved up at high speed. We're flying into the, the area where where the state is is making everyone a criminal. Uh, yeah. The state is making us criminal, not because we're doing immoral things, uh, which makes us illegal or criminals, it is because they're making things illegal. Not, not, there's not, it's not a immorality as far as on the part of most Americans. It's not that Americans are breaking laws uh, because they're doing things that are immoral. It's just the state uh, arbitrarily uh, at times making things illegal and then uh, labeling them immoral. Yeah. No, that's exactly how they do it. And you really don't have any say about it. I mean, the, the the news article on Saturday, Napolitano just refuses to answer the question of why they're buying so many uh, hollow point bullets. She's just not going to answer it. Right. Like they just, they, yeah, why do, they don't have to? And that's the that's one of the griefs that I have with uh, with a great deal of the government right now is they have that the attitude of we don't have to answer to you when yeah. it's exactly the opposite. They're supposed to answer to us <laughs> for everything they do, but they have the attitude of, we don't have to answer to you. That's what I was so, saying. Everything's upside down. That's it, exactly. And and people are... Uh, who was I talking? I've talked to somebody about this just recently. Uh, well, uh, last week, uh, uh, Adam Baldwin and I were talking yeah. about... Uh, about how the how things are, like you said, they're they're upside down, and that people uh, most of the time, most uh, conservative folks, most of the 
a conservative population, and, and and it's a huge number of folks that, that are actually labeled conservative. No matter how they vote, they're actually conservative. But a huge uh, number, amount of the population <clears throat> doesn't. Uh, they don't make the waves. They don't rock the boat, and they they think in their minds. Because I've I've had the same thoughts a lot of times too. Is that uh, that certainly certainly nobody's going to do this because it's wrong. And everybody every and in my mind, I think everybody knows that that's wrong to do. So certainly they won't do it. But then they do do it. And and part of it being helped along for them to do it was me not making a loud enough noise and saying, you know, that's wrong. And uh, a lot of conservative America does that. They stand by and they think that that they don't. That they're not going to have to say anything because certainly everybody knows that that that's wrong to do, and uh, and it just slides right through while everybody is saying certainly everybody knows that's wrong to do. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it just goes back to this complacency thing. It, it's tied in with what you're saying right now. Everybody knows that's wrong, but then they're they're shocked. You know, let's suppose something. Uh, in my mind, this thing with the the arming up of the DHS is is appalling. It's shocking. Where where's the anti-war left? Where's where are they when you know we need them? Uh, but that's going to go on. People are going to look at it and go, "That's ugly." Oh well, I'll just go back and watch my show. It's it's ugly for just a second, but then they forget about it. It just kind of goes out into space and becomes part of the fabric, the structure of this new America that we're living in. And uh, you know, I think you. I think you're, you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. That, and when you said, "I'm going to go back to my show," because I always, uh, I always, that's part of my explanation. Usually on Appleseed Weekend, is that you know, as Americans, we're bombarded by an endless stream of information and stuff that people want us to see and listen and read and uh, commercials and you name it, everything else. We're, we have a constant stream of it everywhere from uh, the size of buses to now the uh, the devices that we carry with us, on and on. It's a constant stream. And it's hard for us to 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 be able to categorize everything and, and file it away, and, and there's just so much of it. And, and we're left with trying to figure out what to do with all the information, and a lot of people do what you just said. They they have their show, and uh, the way I I call those people the, the the sitcom, the silent sitcom majority, because they live their lives uh, like like through a series of sitcoms. You know, they can click on the the sitcom, and it's a thirty minute sitcom, so it doesn't take a lot of time, and. You know, it begins with a uh, you know a quaint introduction of the happy-go-lucky characters, and then uh, and then at some point there is some dramatic situation that uh, uh, that is has to be dealt with, and 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 they get they deal with it, and then things aren't happy again by the end of the show, mm-hmm. and then once that show when that show ends, they just click onto the next thirty-minute sitcom, and that's how they they live their lives, just jumping from that one stepping stone to the next. And they don't deal with the things that are ugly because it's, it's ugly and time-consuming. And, and if I if I tell you that there's a fire in your garage, then if you if you look at me and you say, okay, I heard you, there's a fire in my garage, now you got to do something about it. Right. So, 
Yeah, well, it's just, you know, people are not only, they have a lot of stuff to do, they have a lot of stuff to, they're being fed a lot of information. It's all kind of on the same level. You know, it, and it's, I heard this theory one time that since it all comes to us on the same box, same size screen, it all it's all given the same weight, right? So you can have right. a story of something happy, you can have a tragedy followed by something kind of interesting, but the emotional impact is all the same because it's all strung together and it's all the same shape and size. Um, and so, you know, people see something and they go, eh, somebody will take care of that or that's not going to happen or, you know, what a cuckoo bird or, you know, whatever. And But it just keeps building. It keeps building. And it's kind of like having your head in the sand except your head isn't in the sand. You're looking around. You just can't discern what's important. And the things that should be important, you're being told that if you think they're important, you're crazy or you're an extremist or you're going to be put on the watch list or you're a terrorist for, you know, believing in the sovereignty of the United States and owning a gun and reading a Bible. Right. Yeah, you got a fish yeah, in your car. You, you you might be a terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> right. How did that, how did that happen <laughs> in America? Now, I will tell you that... I want somebody to answer that that there's a good chance of it. If somebody has a fish in their car, there is a good chance that they may shoot you the finger because I, I have uh, I have noticed that before. <laughs> but it doesn't mean they're a terrorist. You know, it just means they're a sinner, you know? They're just a sinner like the rest of us. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, it's been it's been my experience working with uh, directors and uh, uh, and and taking a small shot at uh, directing whenever I was, uh, like, acting and directing professionally in Houston. Uh, I don't know of any director who can uh, who can do just one and then walk away. I've, I've never – I very seldom ever see that. If somebody's, uh, if somebody's uh, just finished directing a movie, all that means is that they're in pre-production for their next uh, event. Uh, is that the case with you? Absolutely. No, we're gonna we're gonna keep them rolling out here at Roughhouse. Uh, we've got. I'm gonna turn up the volume on this uh, message. Everything that we talked about uh, tonight, um, and and you actually pointed out some things that uh, our next project is all about. It's called The City, uh, and it's about uh, it's a near future sci-fi thriller basically, but it's about America in the near future when all this stuff has kind of been institutionalized, constant surveillance and constant fear constant tracking and recording of the population uh, under the jackboot of uh, government. Um, but it's done in a really cool kind of sci-fi storytelling kind of way. Um, again, it's not in your face. It's just part of the fabric. And um, our catchphrase for this particular project is, uh, is uh, wake up. Um, that's going to be everywhere. That message is going to be everywhere in the series and in our materials uh, because part of the problem, the way this has come about is, is through hypnosis. People become hypnotized by their devices and by their, their own lives and and uh, they just haven't noticed that this stuff has kind of just taken over. Um, a lot of this stuff has been introduced to us for security reasons and for convenience uh, and we go, yeah, that sounds convenient. Oh, you want to know all of my information? so I can have this convenience? Sure, here it is. It's shocking yep. to me uh, how much information uh, people just give openly. 
I remember when, when bank cards first came around, I didn't use them for the longest time because I didn't trust the, <laughs> the yeah. machine. You know, That's I stuck to my checks. Uh, I like talking to a person. Um, I like doing my, my record keeping with pen and paper. Um, but now all of this stuff is just slowly being pushed up to the cloud, uh, the electronic cloud, where you store all of your photos, all of your information, all of your medical records, uh, your complete life history. Uh, we'll live on the Internet uh, in the close future. We will go to a cashless society. Everything will be electronic, um, and you'll be tracked, and you will be provided for like a pet. Um, and, you know, maybe not for your benefit, and that's what this series is about. It's called The City. And uh, right. we could go on and on about that, but um, it's going to be a web series. It's um, doing three seasons. Uh, we're raising money for it now. And uh, we're going to do this one a little bit differently. We're going to we're going to fund this show with uh, some real dollars from sponsors uh, and crowdfunding. Uh, so we're looking for support to kind of not only build it but uh, spread this message of wake up and uh, in parentheses wake up to what's going on around you. Okay. Well, let's talk about that for just a second because. Uh, sure. Uh, the uh, the uh, movie studio that uh, you created, which is Rough House Studios, yeah. and you guys have been in business uh, for not eleven uh, since two thousand ten years now, right at two, right at two, yeah. right at ten years now, yeah. uh, and uh, and let's talk about how folks can get in touch with you uh, because. Uh, because you guys are always, uh, uh, at least from from reading the uh, the material on your website stuff, you guys are always uh, uh, looking for uh, for folks to give a hand or uh, or to you know to help out with this. And I think this is something. This is this is something that uh, it wouldn't be hard to get behind something like this. So let's talk about uh, how folks can get in touch with you, how they can actually get. Uh, to get a copy of the movie or get to it. If you came to the uh, to the zombie run uh, back on February 23rd, then uh, you had a chance to get uh, some copies of the movie because I know uh, Mark bought a whole stack of them and he gave them out to everybody except for me. And uh, thanks, Mark. And uh, but uh, tell us how we can uh, get in touch with you, how we can get uh, uh, a copy of the movie, or we can stream it and stuff like that. Sure. Sure. Okay. So. Uh, for the center, you can go to centermovie.com. Centermovie is all one word. dot com. From there, you can go to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, uh, Vimeo, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, you can also rent the movie there. So everything is at centermovie.com. Uh, you can purchase the movie uh, and, and a DVD. The DVD comes with 35 minutes of additional content. Uh, it's really entertaining stuff. Uh, there's a, a little thing on there from Alex Jones. There's a couple interviews. There's some uh, other storylines that are involved. Uh, so the DVD is packed full of content. You can buy that at uh, cinemovie.com. And also there you can uh, rent it. You can stream it on any device uh, from anywhere in the world through Distrify. Uh, our trailer comes up. It's got three buttons on it. You can watch the trailer. You can rent the movie, and you can share it with your friends. Uh and then you can always go to roughhousing.com, 
uh, he already spelled that out for you. I'm sure there'll be a link up somewhere. Roughhousing, you can go to the, you can find the center there, and you can find out more information on the city. Now, literally, right before the show, I went and threw up a page for the city uh, because I saw the opportunity here to talk with like-minded people and, and possibly generate some interest in the show. Um, we've been developing it for. I've been developing it for over 10 years, but just recently, since we finished the center, we've really turned the heat up on this thing, and we're we're looking to move on this. So uh, at roughhousing.com, just at the top of the page, there's a city link, and you can you can click on that. And there's a oh yeah, a, you did just put that up, didn't you? Yep. There's a spooky little thing at the bottom right hand corner of the page. If uh, you want to click on that, I've been tracking news articles over the last year. I put up just a fraction of what I've found online. Uh, and kind of built this uh, built this idea that this is actually happening right now, right before our very eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. There's uh, there's very little that we that we say or do uh, in this day and age that is not uh, monitored or seen or read or okayed or vetted by someone somewhere. And uh, and it's uh, I don't see a good ending for that. Uh, okay, and uh, so you guys, if you go to roughhausen dot com, uh, that is the uh, Roughhouse Studios uh, homepage, and it's got a lot of great information on there. Yeah, it's a really nice uh, website, very simple, but it's really nice. And uh, and you can play the movie there. You can uh, rent it. I believe you can get uh, copies of it. And then from that page, be sure and hit the uh, the Facebook like page so that uh, you guys can get linked up with uh, with Roofhouse Studios uh, on the, the Facebook page. Yeah, uh, we've really we've really hit the social networking hard in the last couple of months on the center. And we plan to do that for roughhousing, so we'll always be kicking out uh, new content and interesting content. Okay. And uh, and where did you say you were at on the city? It's in pre-production now. And what are you guys? It's, uh, it's in pre-production. We've got some of the cast. Uh, I've got the, the first season written. Uh, I've got my crew. Um, we're looking to get a couple uh, recognizable faces, recognizable names in in the show. Uh, so we're talking to uh, agents and, and making those deals. Um, in the meantime, we're we're making our war chest. We're we're you know starting to raise funds. Uh, uh, That's one of the hardest parts. It is one of the hardest parts, but uh, you can be successful if you if you reach enough people. And that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, the eventual, the, the, the end game for uh, the city, well, for the city, it's uh, for the center, it's going to be a television show. For the city, I'd like to develop it into a television show as well. So we're going to do three seasons, uh, demonstrate that we have an audience for this thing, and uh, take it to network, just like we did the center. Well, that sounds great. And uh, and uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out uh to come on and talk to us about this, I, I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed our, our conversation. And uh, oh, guys, if y'all want to, if y'all want to uh, to rub shoulders with some of the uh, the Roughhouse crew, I believe that they're going to be coming to the uh, 
Battle Road USA handgun course at the end of the month here. I know that we, uh, right. I know that we have a couple of them coming, and uh, and be sure and uh, let us know how it's going. And we'd love to have you uh, back on uh, as this progresses. Because I'd, I'd like yeah. to keep track of this and, and have you come on and let us know how it's going. Because uh, it, I think it's a great project, and I think it's a very relevant project. So if if, if you wouldn't mind coming back on in uh, uh in a few months or whenever you guys whenever you get uh, some more uh some more yardage done, uh, I'd appreciate it. Oh, that would be fantastic. We'd really appreciate that opportunity and thank you so much for uh, having me on tonight. It was a blast. I really love talking to you. Thank you. Hey, thanks uh, to your thank audience. Thank you. All right. You have a good evening, sir. You too, sir. Thank you. Good night. Uh, bye-bye. Uh I'm really excited about uh about the this project, about the movie The Center, which is a great movie. And uh you know there's there are times whenever you when you see uh like a body of work or you see an actor or, or an actress or something. Uh like I remember seeing uh uh Brad Pitt and Thelma Louise and I'm thinking, where did this guy come from? And he's a great actor. I mean he had you know that big a part. He's a great actor, and you're wondering, well, where, where does he come from, or, or why hasn't he been in more movies and stuff like that? And I feel the same way uh, about Mr. Whedon's project. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be a really great piece of work, and uh, from what I'm reading and what I'm seeing about uh, the upcoming project of the city, it's uh, I feel the same way about that. So I encourage you guys to... Uh, I encourage you guys to go to the website and read about it. It's uh, Ruffhausen, R-U-F-F-H-O-U-S-I-N.com. And uh, and put a bookmark there and keep checking back in with them. Uh, so my thanks to those guys. And uh, we'll, we'll let you, we'll keep you guys advised on how it's going. And, uh, and if you want to uh, stream the movie, I believe that... Uh, uh, Mark told me that uh, we're also running the movie out of our website, uh, www.battleroadusa.com. So while you're there signing up for the handgun courses, you can also uh, take a minute and uh, download the movie there from our uh, from our website. I want to remind you guys, too, that uh, the April 1st through the 5th, is the five-day precision rifle sniper course that's being taught by John Haas, Bullgun 71. This is a fantastic course, and uh, we've got a couple of slots left for it. If you would like to take the course, you better hurry up and let me know. Uh, that's April 1st to the 5th. It's uh, $500 for the five-day course. Uh, it won't be offered at that rate again. I'm offering. We're offering it at that rate because we wanted to get all our friends into the course. But uh, and we had to pay John too, so uh, be sure and let me know if you guys want. If anybody else wants a slot, you better let me know quick. And then uh, we have the Battle Road USA uh, uh, handgun course. We have pistol craft and uh, fighting pistol uh, on the 30th and 31st. That's uh, the Saturday and Sunday leading into the five-day precision rifle course. So, and we've got a couple of spots there. Not many because uh, Battle Road USA offers. Uh, we're offering the free courses. We're offering slots free to Texas school teachers. 
All right, guys, I want to thank uh, Mr. Weedman for uh, taking the time to come in and uh, talk to us tonight. And uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. And we will see you this next Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, God bless and keep you all. And we'll see you next Thursday. Good night.
satellites in the skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. 